Hey, welcome in to the Gridiron Show, Gridiron Live after week two of the NFL season. Michael McQuaid, Ollie Connolly, and uh, welcome in, folks, if you're watching live or listening on a Monday morning podcast on your journey to work, wherever you may be in the world. Ollie, welcome in. What a week. I mean, my God. Man. I know one of those ones where just showered in the most dreadful coaching decisions across the land you know it was a lot of bad football um baked around just incompetence running throughout every game i felt like there wasn't one game where i went you know this is being wonderfully coached wonderfully time managed all of them were just all over the place and it is a, a great reminder one of how fun the sport is too for someone like me you know who is so um involved with the X's and O's of the game, former coach, all that kind of stuff. It is nice every once in a while for it to come down to whether or not your coach is a bozo, whether your coach coach knows how to use timeouts or not, whether or not he understands what the play clock is and the function of those things, that maybe he can draw up some beautiful plays on the whiteboard, but when he gets out there, he freezes in the moment. So um, just, just a fun, fun day all around. Yeah, definitely the play clock thing is going to be an issue that we have to talk about tonight, but... Uh... Or this morning, but uh, a warm welcome to everyone watching live or listening on the podcast. Uh, Ollie, first off, let's talk about Beer 52 for everyone listening. Uh, how does a free case of beer sound? Uh, our pals at Beer 52 are offering you a free case of eight beers. All you need to do is to pay the postage and packaging. Beer52.com slash gridiron. Uh, your beer tonight, Ollie, is? Uh, I have a modern pale ale. Hazy, golden, juicy. I believe it's called Here Comes the Sun. Bibliotech. Do, 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 I, do, I understand, Michael, that hold I think on, hold these on, are... Hold on, hold on. I have the exact yeah. same one. Hey, look at that. And that wasn't even... That wasn't any kind of partnership situation. That's pretty good. Um, and I, <laughs> these are like standalone one-offs, right? This one, I believe, you can only get through Beer 52. Some of the beers you get, certainly in the, the little gift set they sent to us, they're like exclusive to Beer 52. And I had a Pilsner from them on Friday night, I had many, far too many Pilsners, I should say, from uh, from Beer 52 on Friday night, preparing for the college football weekend. Um, and they were exclusive to Beer 52, and now I'm very, very upset because I should not have ripped through those as fast as I did do because now I need to reorder some more stuff. Yeah, love the box that I got as well. And I am having, ironically, the exact same beer. Beer, Bibliotheque, Here Comes the Sun, and... Uh... It's nice. It's especially nice after a busy day of work. Let's jump right into it. The link is at the bottom of the mm-hmm. screen or in the bio on the podcast if you're listening back. Trey Lance, Ollie. Now, we have to address this. There is a magazine behind me uh, which says <laughs> the year of Trey Lance starts now. Um, he went to the ground after being tackled on a QB run. And it it now seems, if you want to confirm this to me now, that Cal uh, Shanahan's confirmed, he's broke his ankle. And that's, that's him... Mm-hmm out for the season and I know for a lot of people listening wherever you are in the world Niners fans or just general NFL fans will will be gutted for Trey Lance who now I think you were the one that tweeted that he's only going to have played maybe three to five games in, in three years which is devastating for him yeah you're taking the totality of the three years so you have the COVID season at North Dakota State so he only does the one game in that final North Dakota State game a game they only put on exclusively for him as kind of a, a thing for his draft selection then obviously he sits um, the majority of the rookie season he plays the two games now he plays the one game plus a quarter today and then has the ankle injury and it's just, I mean it's devastating for him obviously um, it looked like a, 
the Dak situation from the very off. And this is a guy whose game is obviously built around athleticism. And, you, you know, we can go through the Jimmy of everything. We can go through where this leaves the Niners. But just for Trey Lance, I mean, beyond the obvious um, human side of it in terms of the injury and the recovery and just how much it stings for him having put so much effort in to get to the league, having to sit for the year and then getting his big opportunity and it ending that way. Just in terms of his development as a player, if you remove it from that that side we discussed there, is, man, that's not a lot of football in a lot of years. You know, he didn't play much football in high school. He barely played football in college. Now he's barely played football in the NFL. And the, the development cycle in the NFL is already shortened, right? We kind of know after two years now with these guys, right, whether they're going to be good enough or not. The rookie extension starts to linger on the horizon by year three. You start having initial discussions before you get into one of these Lamar Jackson situations. And that's going to be a completely different timeline for the Niners. And who knows what kind of player is going to come back like he was a, a role player anyway. There were some pretty sub- substantive issues going into the season that we, were, we thought maybe you would see progression over the second half of the season. The Niners were willing to forego some of the early season issues with the hope of what the ceiling could be down the line, maybe by by January and playoff time. And now that's just completely wiped out. And maybe he comes back like a different player. Look, Dak was a totally different quarterback from the guy he was pre that ankle injury to the guy Dak Prescott is now. And then obviously you get the issue where one injury, particularly in the, the lower body, can lead to a whole bunch of other injuries. So it's just any way you look at it, it just stinks from all angles. Home debut, a couple of, if, if even a couple of minutes in as well. And ironically, it, there, there's two factors for me. It's the first one of, and I know we'll talk about this in a minute, the whole restructure and keeping Jimmy Grapple there, which now looks like some sort of masterstroke, even though there was so much talk and debate all offseason. I mean, the amount of conversations that me and you and the rest of the team in Gridiron have had around this quarterback uh, controversy <laughs> off camera is nuts and I I did think like I, I, I would have loved and I still do want to see Trey Lance uh, proceed and do well at that position in San Fran but I did think we would see Jimmy at some point this season if he wasn't traded that being said Ollie Cal Shanahan on Monday said quote just like all players we listen to anybody on anything and that was but he was talking about trades so it's just crazy how this league can change in four and five days. And now they look at maybe opening up that offense but because it was quite, I don't want to say limited, but it it wasn't amazing tonight. But they, they got the job done against Seattle with, with Jimmy there. And now they have to go on into week three and uh, completely reevaluate their offense. And maybe Jimmy might be allowed to train with the first teamers now. Who knows? I don't think they have to completely change everything. I saw that a lot about what will they do now going back to Jimmy. I mean, they've been running that offense for years with Jimmy. They evolved it with Jimmy. They were trying something different with Trey Lance. Obviously, everyone will have seen the run-pass splits and the difference between Jimmy playing and Trey playing. When Trey plays, they run the ball like 70% of the time. When Jimmy plays, they throw the ball about 70% of the time. I don't think it's that difficult for them to, to chop and change from one one system to the other. I think it's pretty easy. Um, they're basically running the same plays. There are certain plays available to them when Trey Lance is available, and those plays change slightly when Jimmy Garoppolo goes in. Most of that stuff is option-based football. And that's still in the playbook, irrespective of who's the quarterback. Just one is a triple option, which involves no one else on the offense anyway. And one is uh, a two-way go option, which is either hand the ball off or throw the ball. So changing any of the verbiage, any of the timing, all that stuff doesn't matter. Um, and then, yeah, there's the voice and the huddle voice at the line of scrimmage stuff, but they've obviously known Jimmy forever. So I, it, it does go to show it's it's um, somewhat ironic that they, they held him all offseason in Canada, hope that someone would have an injury, right? That was 
why they held on to his rights all that time and why they were having the back and forth with him over the whole offseason. And it's ironic that they were the ones who had the devastating quarterback injury and now they need Jimmy Garoppolo to step up. But I think it's funny because in the short term, I mean, you, we all saw the game that the offense clicked much better when Garoppolo's there. He just he takes the easy layups that Trey Lance was finding difficult, right? It's that simple. They, they moved to Trey Lance because they thought it would elevate the ceiling because he could push the ball down the field better. And in the world the defense we're, we're facing now, that's something you need. And he was a rushing threat. And that is another thing that's just essential, the style of defense we're seeing now. It wasn't a knock on Jimmy Garoppolo. was even saying that Trey Lance was better than Jimmy Garoppolo in the time being. It was that that skill set fit where the league was going more. And so they wanted to be on that evolutionary cycle. Garoppolo is a better quarterback right now than him. So short term, it makes him a better team now. Does it make them better in January? That's the concern. We have seen the limits with Garoppolo. He's just not that guy when you get to January, February in the playoffs. So that will remain the concern, right? And, may, and they are good enough. They've got the Super Bowl with them before. They're good enough to scheme around it. they got good enough players to make plays irrespective of Jimmy Garoppolo. But it's not as if um, it was silly to move on for Garoppolo now they're better with Jimmy. It's like they were always going to be better in the short term with him anyway. That was a play for January, so that the calculus is still the same. It'll be interesting where they are in January with Jimmy Garoppolo and hopefully George Kittle's playing by then. Second straight week out this this week with with a groin mm-hmm. injury. Uh, and you couldn't make this up, Ollie. They now go into Denver next week and play Nathaniel Hackett. I'm sure they'll be counting down the uh, the days to that, like many people in in Denver are. Uh, the, the one question I did want to ask you before we move on to the Colts here is, what do you think their ceiling is now with Garoppolo? Do, do, do you look at it very much the same? Because I, because I know you've spoken about it there, about Trey and Jimmy G. They've got a guy there that has played in the Super Bowl with the Niners, almost won the Super Bowl with them against the Chiefs, and he was in the NFC Championship game last year. So he, while he has not completed or fulfilled that exact victory in terms of winning the Super Bowl, he does have experience of being there. And, I mean, if you look at, like for example, the Cowboys where Dak Prescott's out for how many weeks and I know Cooper Rush had a decent enough performance from and they get over the line tonight at least they have a quarterback there that they can go okay well he's been here he knows he knows his team he knows his offense surely that's a pro for them as well yeah I mean if you go through just now and do the NFC quarterbacks whilst Dak is out Garoppolo is probably fifth sixth somewhere in that I mean the NFC stinks so um their ceiling their their expectations shouldn't change that's a championship caliber roster he is good enough to get you to championship games. Now, he's not going to decide the championship games. That's the difference, right? Mahomes decided the Super Bowl. Um, the, the defense has basically decided the NFC title game. He wasn't good enough to overcome structural flaws in the offense and how good the Ravens' defense was in the championship game. So he's just, he's just not a championship game decider, which means someone else on the, on the team has to be, whether it's the entire defense, which is the way football is in 2022, or there's someone super special on that offense, which would probably be Debo or Kittle, right? So that's just where we're at. Now, it, it getting into playoffs, it just rolls the dice, isn't it? That's 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 the reality. And he is good enough to get you into the playoff and then take the roll of the dice. So, you know, he's got as far in NFC uh, championship runs as Aaron Rodgers at this point, right? So um, I, to me, the expectations of them don't change. They, they have championship expectations at least to get to the NFC title game. Now, you know, they, that, I'm not saying that if they don't get there, it's a, it's a disappointment, but... Um, they are good enough, I, I think, still to get back there. They have every other piece that, that is needed. I look forward to your Jimmy Garoppolo, Shanahan, uh, Lynch article this week, dropping on Tuesday or Wednesday. Did you see me emails dropping in with the read optional? Um, okay, let's talk about the Colts. 
because mm -hmm. we were joking about this last week saying well the last time these two teams played each other in Jacksonville everyone thought that the Indy were going to roll in and win and the playoffs and then they got completely destroyed Ollie I was shocked at the performance not just of Matt Ryan but I guess everyone today for, for the Colts, Matt Ryan, uh, 195 yards passing, 16 of 30 completions, three interceptions on the day. Trevor Lawrence, not too bad, but uh, the Colts are in a bit of a sticky predicament now. Do you think, and this might sound ridiculous, do you think Matt Ryan, Matt, Matt Ryan has regressed a bit in the offseason or do you think he's just in a new situation where he's struggling or can they save this in a few weeks? Oh, he's really struggling. I mean, the, the big thing to note was they didn't have the starting two wide receivers, right? Their top two guys, Pittman and Pierce. Um, both those guys complete freaks on the outside, and they increase your margin of error. And that is a team coming into the season who had no depth at wide receiver. It was the giant question mark hanging over them all off season. They were super-duper arrogant about their young wide receivers, and it turns out they all stink, um, as expected. Um, and they both two wide receivers weren't playing, and no one could get any kind of separation. I, I posted this spider chart to twitter that i think people if they're listening should go and have a look at because it is genuinely hilarious it basically takes the nfl next gen tracking data which is all the chips and the pads of the players and shows you the average amount of separation from each receiver from the cornerback or whoever covering them during the game the league average is 2.91 yards so just about three yards that's kind of the throwing window in the nfl they have no one getting even close to that they have some people on zero they have mo Ali cox 1.86 yards patman under one yard, Strachan 1.64 yards. So that is already brutal. And then we spoke about on Friday doing the, the preview show, like Matt Ryan just isn't that guy anymore. The, the, you know, he's not someone who can fit the ball into tight windows. He's had to change his game. He just doesn't have the zip on the ball anymore. So he's become a landmark thrower, which means you just have, everything has to be clicking. It is late career Peyton Manning. It's what happened with the Colts when they had Phillip Rivers. Like And when they got Ryan, I think they thought because last season he could still move pretty well in the pocket. There was still just enough torque on the ball. That's just not there anymore. And that stunned me because I thought we were getting the guy from Atlanta last year. There was at least two years left of playing a, kind of the the second Hall of Fame part of Tom Brady's career before he rediscovered his arm strength. You know, that, that mid-window just before the Roethlisberger decline, not the final Roethlisberger year, not the final Manning year. And we're getting into grenade territory with him, where it has to be up and over, drop it to a point and hope someone can go get it. And to do that, you need, like I said, everything to be clicking on offense, right? Run game, scheme, all that stuff. And guys have to be open. You can't drop it in a bucket and have someone within a yard of them because then it becomes a fight for the ball. And you're either going to turn the ball over or they're going to break the play up. And the, the percentage you, you suggested there show exactly what happens. So that they should be really, really worried and What's further to that is offensive line issues and just not running the ball. I do not know what's going on with that staff where you have Jonathan Taylor, you have this offensive line that's struggling. The best thing you can do is slam the ball into a wall and hope for the best and hope that Jonathan Taylor can hit daylight. That That's that's what they should be doing. Instead, they're dropping back over and over again with this depleted receiving core. The one thing that I've got done from my notes sitting with my, with my glasses half down writing during this game was we didn't see much blitzing at all. And the Jaguars seem to consistently get the receivers into like unfair situations. You've seen uh, Zed Jones, Christian Kirk get lots of yardage where that sort of plan from, from, from Indianapolis for me is not going to work for them down the stretch. And we like I think we both picked them to win the AFC South uh, at least. I think we all did. It was a sweep and we got massive abuse online for it. And now they're sitting 0-1-1 and, and, I, and I agree. This was a team that relied consistently on the run with Jonathan Taylor and the backups last year. They're not 
uh, doing as well on the run this year. 54 yards today for Jonathan Taylor on nine carries. They've got rid of Philip Lindsay and they've got, uh, obviously, Hines had one yard. Sorry, one carry for zero yards. And Dylan had one carry for three yards. That's not going to win you a game if you're playing Jacksonville, if you're playing the Packers or whoever in this league. And I think they're in a really, really worrying position now in that division because... Look, Jacksonville weren't incredible, but you can see they're improving. For all the faults that the Colts have, Jacksonville are on a journey and they're trying to improve. And if you can see social media uh, on Sunday night, people crying out for Nick Foles. That's where it goes for me. Like, <laughs> no, there was literally not... people on Twitter asking oh, for Nick Foles, insane. which is nuts, isn't it? Yeah, that's just that's just Twitter being Twitter. I, I don't buy anything to that. The, the, the <laughs> problem they have is they have a load of really good players and they're all playing terribly. And that is really, really concerning because that speaks to some kind of concern with the culture, something going on. They got their tails whooped last year in Jacksonville in an embarrassing way. And they all hid behind the shield of Carson Wentz, right? Carson Wentz took all of that flack on board. The owner, you know, wobbling onto his private jet to do a video saying that it's all Carson Wentz's fault, essentially. Everyone else is fine. We were going to win a Super Bowl. It's all Carson Wentz's fault. You go through some of the stuff they said after the game, those players... The disrespect they put on Jacksonville and to come out in week two and to play like that. Brian Kelly's a really good player. Quentin Nelson's a really good player. Jonathan Taylor's really good. DeForest Buckner's really good. Quincy Pay's really, really good. Stefan Gilmore was a defensive player of the year and is still playing at a pretty decent level, right? They've got so many good players and they are not playing. And I don't know what that is. And this is not like some kind of weird up in the air thought exercise. They are not lining up pr- properly. This is the most basic stuff imaginable. They are not getting off the ball. Something is strange there. Um, and look, this happens with a lot of teams. And I think through the fog of the season, they still have more talent than anyone in the AFC South. They're not 0-2. It's 0-1-1. I know they've been terrible against two teams. People think are pretty bad. I still think they'll figure it out. I think that staff's good enough. I think they have more good players than the rest of the division. But it has been as bad a start as could be imagined. They have the Kansas City Chiefs in week three, and currently the Chiefs are three-point favourites, and we can talk about that on the pick show next week, but as it stands, Ollie, that's incredible value. Um, Do you think if we got to week four or week five, though, with Frank Wright and Chris Ballard, that maybe Jim Irsay might do something? You you were talking there about (laughs) him throwing throwing Carson Wentz under the bus. I don't know if you've seen the social media tonight. He was uh, sitting outside on a table and signing footballs for all the Colts fans, but you could hear audible boos. And I'm talking booze, booze, booze. It was like something from a TV show and he's not going to be a happy bunny. So he'll be a bit like Jerry Jones was last week after the uh, first Cowboys game of the season. I mean, what's he going to do in season? It's You can change the GM. He's not going to have the chance to do anything. Change the head coach. Who are you going to get? Who's going to be better than Frank Rag? The person doesn't exist. They, what, they, what they are suffering for here is um, the long-term consequence of doing this year-to-year cycle. Um, and that every year is an uphill battle because they have to figure out exactly what works for everyone, and it doesn't really click in until week seven, week eight. And we've, we've done this with them for years now, where they'll put together a two, three-week run, and everyone says, oh, dark course, you know, you don't want to go into Indianapolis in the playoffs, and then we get to the playoffs, and Indianapolis is nowhere to be seen because they've missed the playoffs again. And it's been going this way since 2014. I think they've had, like, I think they've had one or two playoff games since 2014. Yeah, I think that's right, and and that, I think we are all conditioned to they're supposed to be good because of Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, and they've just not been since 2014. So I yeah, 
again, I still think it's a long, long season. The AFC South is still not good. It's not as if the AFC South is magically really good now. That The Texans are mediocre. Jacksonville is mediocre. The Titans are mediocre, looking towards being good. And the Colts are mediocre right now towards being bad. So that's not a far way to bridge over the course of the season. I enjoyed watching the Jags, and I, I think that says it all about my enjoyment of certain certain football games. Talking about enjoying our podcast on Carson Wentz this week comes out on Tuesday. That was a joke. Some of his plays tonight were amazing, Ollie. And I know we could probably have a documentary on some of them, and I've seen some of your tweets about throwing the ball and stuff. Um, let's talk about the, the, the big game in the early window. And we were, as we were talking during the week about why... You almost certainly don't want some sort of certain games to be on so early in the season. I almost felt like we were being spoiled seeing the Chargers Chiefs on that first Amazon game on Thursday night, but that was for that reason. The Baltimore Ravens going up against the Miami Dolphins, which finished in a 42-38 win for the Dolphins, who were down 35-14 at the end of the third. First off, Ollie, what a game. Six touchdowns for Tua, uh, three touchdowns, but some incredible play at certain points from from Lamar Jackson, including the 70-odd yard run. Never mind talking about the Dolphins wide receiver core. This game had literally everything for, for, for the neutral. So enjoyable. But how do you give up 28 points in the fourth quarter? Please tell me, man. How did they do it? I, I mean, it's never been done before, so I don't know how. I mean, it was Tua's day, obviously. Um, and the thing with Tua is his role for the Dolphins essentially is to be like Drew Brees, is hit all the throws. And I know that sounds simplistic and dumb, but guys are wide open in that system. And that's the way Drew Brees played his entire career, which was I hit every throw I'm supposed to hit, and then maybe I make two that I'm not supposed to hit a game, and that is the difference between us winning and losing. I don't have to go out there and be Justin Herbert and hit six throws a game that are crazy throws that drag my team, you know, to within a chance of winning an hour ahead. That's not who Tua has to be. He's got these guys that are wide open all over the field, and he hit them, right? The Gesicki throw is an unbelievable throw. The final throw of the game where he's moving and rolling, I think he hits Jalen Waddle, right? The, 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 killer, uh, the killer shot for the final touchdown. That's a throw that he's not necessarily expected to hit in terms of the placement of the ball, and, and he hits it. And then he did hit the majority of the layups this week, which he did not hit last week, particularly down the final stretch of the of the, uh, of the game after struggling in the first half. What was really interesting is, one, there is just no way to cover this wide receiving call. It does not exist. There is no way you can go and design. You don't. No one has the athletes to keep up with the two of them together. To have Hill and Waddle next to each other, and they've been really smart about how, how they position them together and then particularly where they put the third person off of them to make it so your shell is just completely compromised at the snap. There's no amount of rotating or doubling you can do when they're both not the two perimeter guys, and then they'll balance the formation other times and have one on one side, one on the other, and no one else in the vicinity. So they make everything really tight and congested, sit one guy really wide, one other guy really wide. And if they get spread, they make sure those two guys are together. And in both of those situations, which is kind of the bedrock of that offense, you are completely compromised in terms of coverage. There's nothing you can do schematically to roll one certain way to ensure you've got the right body position, the right athletes on those guys. just does not exist. And you can see it in the figures. Remember I mentioned those um, average separation numbers before with the Colts. Tyreek Hill, have you seen these numbers? Have I shown you these? No, I could have sworn I seen you were. And I seen you were talking about like once he actually caught the ball, the the increase on his yardage was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. His average amount of separation from the person covering him in the league average is two point nine. Was four yards. He was open by four yards on average. 
That's not just like, oh, those are the good plays. Those are the average plays. He is wide, wide open. Jalen Waddle, three yards. These guys are wide open. There is nothing you can do to stop him. And all two has to do is hit the throws to wide open plays. And that's that's great. That's what he did in the second half. And the, the last thing I'll say is, one, the Ravens' defense flagged really badly. They were getting after him early in the game. They struggled as the game went along. Injuries took over in the secondary. They got really tired. I saw a cool uh, tweet from NFL's Next Gen Stats that the, 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 the Ravens' defense ran more yards, not in terms of yardage on the field, in terms of the chips and the pads that track how far they're physically running than any team has ever run, ever. Because of how much having Waddle and Hill force you to one get depth in the defense, right? To try and keep them in front of you. And then it's all these crosses and these deep breaking concepts. So you're just running a long way. And you could see by the end of the game, those guys were huffing and puffing. They could not keep up with the pace of the game. And it was really, really easy to do it in that fourth quarter outside of two or three big boy throws where he had to, you know, really raise his game to a new standard. And he did it. And I'm, I'm delighted because I, I like to, um, and the conversation around him, I think, has absolutely nothing to do with him. It's like this weird dynamic about how you view football. It's got nothing to do with the player himself. So I'm just I'm just really pleased that he, he got his day. I know you've been very sort of vocal on that relationship with Tua and his new head coach, Mike McDaniel, as well. In the offseason, it's a great read if people do check out the Read Optional website with, with, with all these content. Um, one thing for me from reading up on the Dolphins and reading up on Mike McDaniel is him trying to improve to his confidence down the stretch in certain situations and I'm not going to lie to you whenever uh, it was before they got the final touchdown of the game I genuinely thought does he have the guts to take this over the line you know they're, they're sitting here they're trying to win this game after coming back but can he can the Dolphins actually go and win this game and I loved watching it like I mean I love watching Lamar Jackson I mean that 75 yarder to Bateman was unbelievable but Tua and that offense you know you said it you got those two players there but it's almost like the X factor where you can't really prepare for that and something tells me like the Detroit or the Buffalo Bills sorry are sitting at home tonight going oh wait a minute this is interesting this could get well, interesting be, in a couple of weeks they're the, they have the best safety duo in the league, so the, the calculus is a bit different for them in terms of what they're able to do with their defense. You you can layer in a way. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds there, but you can layer <laughs> the defense in a way to do stuff to them, right? The Patriots tried it in week one. The Patriots played really well on defense in the second half of that game against the, the Dolphins. Now those guys were wide open all the time, and two just decided not to do it. And I think the confidence thing for McDaniel, you know, there was four or five plays in the Patriots game where three, four yards before he's even open, Tyreek Hill's hand is up because he's got this Randy Moss situation of he knows when he's open because he knows how much quicker he is than everyone else. And it will just take two or some time to realize, oh, I can just let that go because he's used to having to say, even with all those freaks he played over Alabama, let me give it another beat, another beat, another beat. Actually, I don't want to do that. It's too risky. It's not a risk with Jalen Ruddle and Tyreek Hill. It's the right decision to launch the ball 25 yards down the field. They'll go get it. You know, throw it to a patch of grass you think no one can reach and they'll, they'll come down with it. And this was, that was the great thing about that fourth quarter because because they were so in a hole, it was like, well, bleep it. What else am I going to do? I'm not going to avoid the deep shot and just take the check down because we're beating the Patriots 14 to three and I can do that. It's like, we're getting clubbed. This is a reputational game for me, essentially. You know, uh, people are going to start writing me off. It's the end of two. Are they going to trade for Lamar Jackson? Are they going to go and try and get Tom Brady? All this stuff. And so he was in bleep it mode and it was great to see. And I hope that he he stays on that course, I think Mike McDaniel will be so much happier that they that they won that way 
with that historic comeback and him forced to play that way than if they'd just gone out there and beat them 24-3 to and it was a defensive shutdown the way they beat them a year ago. I think that would be so much better for him long-term, for them long-term. It's like, hey, man, you see, if you just throw the ball to any spot on the field, you've got Mike Gesicki, you've got Jalen Waddle, you've got Tyreek Hill, and those guys can go get it in spots no one else can. The future is bright in Miami. Uh, you said one quarterback there. Let's talk about him, Tom Brady. There's so many things we can talk about here. Obviously, the Bucks getting the 20 to 10 win. Uh, Tom Brady has scored two passing touchdowns this season. Now I have to I have to give it to him today. There was a significant amount of players missing. Obviously, uh, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones wasn't available for him to throw the ball downfield to. That was a really, really strange game in New Orleans. It was a bit like a UFC match at one point. The one thing for me, man, is really is so skinny or something has he what's going on are, are, are you some sort of nutritional expert he walked in and he no, looked like a man that did I not wish. want to be there he looked like he was walking in like mm, okay and then i don't know he just it's it's a really intriguing thing because obviously they go and they, they play the packers next and de- depending yeah. on how the packers play in something that football pre-recorded of course Will it be a shootout? Because he's only like he's only got over. I think he had 190 yards today uh, in the early 200s last week in terms of passing. I'm intrigued, man, to see what they can actually do. Yeah, well, they got to see as well what the situation is with Mike Evans. Obviously, he gets ejected. He gets in a fight. We'll know from the NFL tomorrow if he's suspended or not, and how long for. And it's just such a bizarre situation. And you factor that with the um, the messaging or the statement or the report that came out earlier in the day that he's not going to be practicing on Wednesdays anymore. Those are now personal days for Tom Brady. And I'm sure he's had similar situations before in New England where it's, it's a lighter day for him anyway. Wednesday would be in more of a treatment day. Um, and maybe it's just being framed or billed differently. And now he's doing his treatment because he has his own staff anyway, right? Maybe he's just not doing it at the facility anymore. Um, and you earn these things when you race to ever do it, right? It's, it is one rule for you and one rule for everyone else when you're the, the best ever play the game. But that it is weird, and it's weird for someone who is homicidally competitive, and it's like it, it's confusing to me that he would come back and then look so disengaged in the process. Um, you know, if he was coming back for one more year, I thought it would have been hyper focused, scorched earth, all that kind of stuff. Um, the way he was that last season, where it looked like that was probably the right time to go out, right, going down in a valiant effort in an NFC title game. You were not the problem. You it would look like another great Brady comeback. It was a defensive mistake. And you went out having an MVP caliber season just as good as Aaron Rodgers could have won the MVP. And he said he's returned this year and he just looks, I mean, like I said, when he looks physically different, God knows what's going on there. God, I don't even want to speculate. Don't open up to the lawyers. You've got all the family stuff, got all the personal drama, and you've got the team drama. And it's just, it's such a bizarre situation. And it will end inevitably with him hoisting the Lombardi in February because that's, that's what he does. <laughs> If I'm standing beside you in Arizona and I look at you and that's happening, I'm just going to laugh my head off, man. It is really strange because the Tom Brady that I remember, and this is not that long ago, is is the one that, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm sure he still is, but one where you can see, not just from his play, but from his interviews, from his persona, that he's really motivated and really wants to excel in this game. It just, I'm not getting that vibe. And that, that's maybe just me being a complete hater, Ollie. It really, it could be. And he could go out next week and score four or five passing touchdowns himself against the Packers. But I don't know. I, I do agree with you. You know, like what, what else did he have to give last year? I guess maybe if he looks at certain quarterbacks that have sealed off, I mean, there's been like, I mean, like Peyton Manning obviously had a shocking year, but he still got to go out on top. 
I, I personally think Brady should have walked away when he won. That on top. <laughs> well, he, he, he won the Super Bowl. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he, he crawled off the field, disheveled and broken. And yeah, now but he, 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 it was he's hard to watch. Like... Skip now. Yeah, you can't even stand up anymore. I don't think that was for anyone a championship glorious hand moment. Handed off to CJ, it'll be sweet. No, but you know what I mean? Like He, he, he at least had that said. Well, look, he was like, I, I, I won a champion. Yeah, because whereas... Peyton was chasing legacy because he'd only ever won one. I mean, Don Brady had nothing to prove. He had seven. It's, 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 there was no need for the return beyond the fact he loves it and he wants to keep that's what that is the strange part. It's as if he's returned to get out of the house. It's like, well, couldn't he have just kind of done the Fox games? You know, he has a deal to go to Fox to be the highest paid broadcaster on earth and in history. And he's choosing to be out there looking miserable. Now, we talked before about um, the Colts working their way through a fog. I, I do think people misremember this Brady Books situation because he's always there at the end holding the trophy. They've been terrible to start the season. Basically, every year he's been there, right? They were really good to open last year against the Cowboys. Then they had this flat line part from the midpoint of the season. We started getting rumors of Brady and Arians don't see eye to eye. You go back to the very first season, it was really sticky for six, seven, eight weeks. They couldn't figure out what offense to run, what language to use. It was a bit of a mess. They've had a coaching change this offseason. They had the weird stuff with him. I think it's just going to take some time. I think they will be absolutely fine by week seven, week eight. And they'll just be roasting people and we'll be back to where we are with him again. This is just the league, man. The league's really hard. The Saints have had his number for years now, particularly with Dennis Allen. They run a specific brand of defense. They play basically two-man the entire game. And I haven't seen the All-22 for this game yet, but I'm sure I've seen it by the time we talk later in the week. But I can assure you, based on what Dennis Allen has done in the past, is that it's two-man. They beat the shit out of people at the line of scrimmage. They bank on their front four getting home. They have one of the best front fours in the league. They have a really talented secondary, and that's just what they do. And he's struggled against it every single time he's played them. So I don't think it's like an unusual thing that he would have a bit of a meltdown against the Saints. The talking about Dennis Allen, talking about the Saints team, it was a bit like it was. Look, it was a bit feisty in the in the third quarter. I still know. I still don't know what happened there. Why punches were? I mean, I can't wait to hear some sort of mic'd up audio or something i'm sure it'll never come out until you know it doesn't need to be heard anymore but that was insane and it suddenly was just put on tv and you're like what is going on here and brady was fired up i mean that was as the most fired up i've seen him in a long time the one thing i will say about saints is for all about tom brady and his goatness james winston found a way today to turn back time uh oh, three interceptions <laughs> yeah oh man but they, they really missed kamara didn't they today they you, you could see it massively it was just yeah, well, that offense doesn't have any juice anyway. Galvin Kamara is the juice. So when you don't have him, you're in trouble. When you have Jameis having a bad Jameis day, you're in trouble. I mean, I'm, I, I refuse to criticize a player who's playing with three broken backbones and is probably juiced out of his eyeballs and can't even see where he's going because he's got so much Toradol flowing through his veins. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pass. give Jameis Winston a pass on that one. He's got a broken back and he's playing out there. So, um, yeah, yeah, he, he doesn't look James happy. Game. <laughs> Yeah, he probably doesn't even know where he is, honestly. Um, I, I, I seen one where he fell down on the ground and his face was just like, oh my God, I have to get up here sort of thing. I mean, it was like getting out of bed on the Monday morning. It was funny. Like, um, it's, it's, it's a searing indictment of Taysom Hill, by the way. The, the the guy's back is broken and they would rather roll Jameis out there unable to move than they would just give Taysom Hill a job for a, for a week or two. I mean, they have Andy Dalton on staff, right? It's, um, is he injured or something? I, I've not seen anything. Like, Why is Andy Dalton not just playing? 
I will investigate that and let you know in the morning, boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, finally. Uh, well, actually, let me just put this across right now. You and me both had bets up today. If we, I done the over in the mm-hmm. Dolphins. I mean, Ravens game. I mean, of course, that was the over. And then you done Patriots minus, I think it was two and a half. So congratulations, yeah. Patriots get the win. So um, one thing that I know you're very, you were very vocal on last week was Zach Taylor and certain decision-making skills that he has and what he done last week in, in Pittsburgh or sorry, in, in Cincinnati against Pittsburgh. Um, the Bengals are now 0-2, and Cooper Rush at quarterback in the decision-making bowl, I'm going to call it now, Zach Taylor against Mike McCarthy. Jerry Jones is a happy man, and the Cowboy season is back for five minutes at least. Man, Zach Taylor. Like I'll, I'll give you an example. Somebody tweeted tonight saying Mike McCarthy versus Zach Taylor was like watching uh, two one-legged men trying to win an ass-kicking contest. I mean, what's going on with this? I mean, it's what a come down for them. Seriously, it's just it's it's the same old, same old stuff. I don't know I even know how many more times I can repeat myself before I bore myself, before I bore the audience. It's the exact same offense. It's the exact same issues. They're playing an empty the entire game. They're getting their ass kicked up front. Same, you know, all that investment in the offensive line still terrible. Uh, just Lyle Collins getting worked the entire games by Micah Parsons, and that can happen. Micah Parsons is quite literally the best pass rusher on earth right now. <laughs> it's like not even really close. You know, TJ Watt's injured now and the Boses are amazing, but I mean, it doesn't get any better than Micah Parsons. The only time Micah Parsons is the best edge rusher on earth is when he's asked to drop into coverage and he becomes like the best coverage linebacker in the league. Um, so that can happen. The game plan around that cannot be okay. Then we're going to run tunnel screens. Then we're going to get into empty again. I'm going to expose Joe some more. I mean, they had, they had two plays where they forgot to block Micah Parsons. I mean, it's, it's just it's getting beyond a joke at this point that obviously all the sequencing here is wrong and uh, you know maybe on other shows I'll go into even more detail than I can be bothered to tonight. Just the macro perspective is that they have now lost two games to teams quarterbacked by Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush. Now I know that the Bengals offense does not play against Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush, but that team with that talent, Boyd, Higgins, Chase, Burrow, Mixon should not be being outscored by Cooper Rush. It's just that simple. Um, and it's they are, you know, I've detailed it now how many times they are the most predictable team in the league offensively. I've posted their tendencies online, free open source. I have these specific tendencies. You can go find them, and they are still committing those same tendencies. You can find out specifically by formation and alignment at the back what their run plays are going to be. And that is embarrassing at the NFL level. It's embarrassing to have done it now for two and a half years or two years, sorry, in two weeks on the run. And to, for your solution to be, we'll throw the ball more and we'll get into empty and Joe will figure it out. Okay, that's a somewhat solution. It's not a very creative solution, but it's somewhat of a solution to marry that with, once again, a terrible offensive line where the interior guys haven't upped the level at all and Lyle Collins, frankly, just took the bag and hasn't been bothered to play. Lyle Collins has been one of the worst linemen in the league the first two weeks. It's just embarrassing. Um, Jeff Schwartz actually had a really good former uh, lineman in a bunch of different spots, had a really good thread on this in the week, going through the varying ways Lyle Collins is setting up for the pass and his different pass sets, and he has basically forfeited any sense of what is common practice in the NFL. And that, to me, is a player who is completely disengaged and not bothered because he's doing things that are in, inappropriate for certain concepts. And that means someone took a bag and then couldn't be bothered to play. So they got they have 
huge, huge, huge problems in terms of talent up front and the entire creativity, creativity of the offense. I think they will be okay because they have those special skill guys. They have the special quarterback. But it is about as bleak as it gets. And since they have upped um, the the playoffs, to, I can't even remember how many teams it is off the top of my head. Um, since they changed the playoff format, if you go over two, you do not make the playoffs. So they are just in a massive, massive hole now. And they're in an even bigger hole potentially next week when they play the Jets. And that, and that, that offensive line for the Bengals looks exactly the same as last year, as you've said. Um, I can't wait to see what's going to happen with Zach Taylor and Robert Sala next week. Is there anything else from... Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, the only thing that's going in the, the Bengals' favour is that every team in the AFC North lost today. I mean, clearly the Ravens are substantially better than them at the moment. They just had a disastrous fourth quarter, right, and a pretty awful second half all around. But if you take the the full Jets game and the first three quarters of the uh, game against the Dolphins today, it's not even close who the best team is in the, the AFC North. So that's the only thing going for the Bengals is that everyone is bad. But yeah, since since they changed the playoff format to 14 teams, no one who's gone 0-2 has made the playoffs. They would have to break with, admittedly, a short tendency to get in there. Um, and it's pretty grim. And for the Cowboys, there's probably an alternative reality where Jerry Jones picked up Jimmy Grappolo on Tuesday and we're now talking about a different situation uh, and we'll talk about them next week if they win another game I will discuss time and the Cowboys is there anything else to start to you on, on a crazy Sunday I mean like the Cardinals won in overtime while we were recording yeah. Ollie as well and for me you gotta give like Aiden Hutchinson three sacks today <laughs> he was born to play in this league but the fact that he gets to play in his home state is it, you can see it in his emotion on his play as well and the Lions man looking alright aren't they Sim Brown well the, the offense is insane I mean <laughs> They they just whooped the the car the Cardinals uses the Commanders defensive front today and they they had they have one of the best defensive lines in the league one of the two three best in the league and three of them were out both tackles and interior guy out and they still just crushed everyone that those skill position guys are as good as it gets they still got Jameson Williams to come back they're all under twenty six it's um they've done a rebuild appropriately they've done it properly you can see kind of the, the proper direction of it now and they are explosive enough to give anyone. A really scary week, and I I would not be stunned to see him win nine, ten games. Um, I think they are good enough to do that now. So that's now Kyler was obviously out of his mind. I really enjoyed um, so just some all time stuff from Cliff down the stretch, where Cliff is like high fiving everyone as if he, as if he did anything in the game when his quarterback's holding on to the ball for twenty seconds and running eighty four yards on two point conversions, or they're getting delay of games down you know on the goal line to win the game. Um, and then he's high-fiving everyone as though the play he called meant anything when his quarterback's running around all over the place and making magic happen. He's just, he's the worst. Yeah, I can't wait to hear Simon Clancy's thoughts and Cliff Kingsbury on, on, on the Gridiron <laughs> Show tomorrow. It's going to be fun. That's at four o'clock live. I, and for anyone listening to this or watching this, uh, check out the link, uh, beer52.com slash gridiron. All you got to do is pay postage and packaging and you can drink the same beer that we're drinking. This is really nice, man. Really, really nice. And uh, again, big shout out to Beer52. This has been fun. We'll have to do this next week, Ollie. Yes, I'll catch you next week. Catch you next week.